0: Welcome Faith Promise all over to all of our campuses through the miracle of technology. I don't know about y'all, but I love technology. And people say, how do, you know, how do y'all do five campuses? And man, we're tethered together and it is so cool. So whatever campus you're at, we're super excited about it. What God is up to, by the way, last weekend, record attendance, just about 7,000 people last weekend at our campuses. And God is at work. He is at work in a supernatural way. It is, it's just, it's off the chain. I, I don't know if I've ever been more excited about what God is doing. Now, before we dive in the Word, in your seat at all of our campuses, there is a GLS, Global Leadership Summit card. Every campus, it gives the faculty, and I want to challenge you. If you the greater impact that you want to make, the greater leader that you need to be in leadership is influence, and so it 's going to be a stellar two days and I want to challenge you to to literally work on invest those two days in you becoming a better leader, a better tool for God to you so I want to challenge at every campus that man we just pack it out those two days some of the greatest uh, leadership experts on the planet will be, will be here. It's a simulcast. We've done it the last few years. It's been awesome. So again, man, just want to challenge, just sign up for that. There's an early bird special. Uh, it's it's going to be stellar. Second, last weekend, we talked about the two kids' camps, our student conference and our kids' camp coming up. Now, I want to challenge you, Mom and Dad. It's unbelievable what we'll invest in our kids for athletics and academics. If you've got a third grader that's playing baseball, you're going to pay almost $1,000 for that kid to play a season of baseball. I mean, when I was a kid, you could buy a car for that. You know, but but we invest everything. I want to challenge you to invest in their spiritual formation. Man, if you've got your kids camp, man, your, your kids need to go. The student conference, your students need to go, and so get them signed up early. It's not that big a deal. So the cost is low. We we offset that. So, man, I just want to challenge you to do that. By the way, just, man, in my, in my zeal, I, I said last weekend, Lenora City is going to be our next campus, and, uh, and, and it is, unless God does something off the chain, but we don't have a date yet. So people are already saying, hey, we're ready to move. What's the date? We don't have the date. We're, we're asking God for a miracle and location, and we're working on the staff. But we don't know when that date is, so just stay, stay, stay planted. And we'll be doing Lenora north city as soon as God will open the door. Amen? All right. We're in, a, we're in the fourth weekend, a 5 weeks series. And if you're new, it's an alignment. So the topic we tackle on the weekend... We dive in at a deeper level in the, in the week in small groups, and I've got more emails this week about what God has done in the last couple weeks in small groups than I think I've ever gotten before. God is settling in, people or man, they're just, God's just doing a work. And so this series is out of four core promises, four foundational promises that God makes, and he makes these all through the scripture, but this is the one place they're all, they're all in one location. And really, it's part of our name, Faith Promise. We have faith in the promises of God. You need to be a promise pursuer. You need to know. My people perish for lack of wisdom or knowledge. You need to know the promises and pursue the promises. Remind God of his promises and, and press in. If you missed a message, go online. Go to our Faith Promise app. If it won't load, that means you don't have the new one. Get the new app. It's better. And our, get a free DVD or CD at any of our campuses, the Resource Center. All right. Well, let's look at our topic passage, and I'm so excited about this weekend. Exodus chapter 6, you might have this thing memorized by the time we get done with this. "'Say therefore to the sons of Israel, God speaking to Moses to teach the people, they're still in Egypt, about to be delivered. I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from underneath the burdens of the Egyptians.'" The four I wills, and I will deliver you from their bondage last weekend, and God moved supernaturally. This weekend, I will also redeem you, cup of redemption, with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who delivered you or brought you out from the burden of the Egyptian. Then and only then, once you drink of all four cups, do you really fully get what God is all about. A lot of people think they understand what the Bible and God is all about who've never drank of cup two or three or four. 87% of Christians surveyed have never drank cup three, 87%. So we're on this journey together, this spiritual journey, uh, and man, it's just my honor to be a part of it. Week one, we talked about the Passover where God gave these four promises in in line with four cups of wine, which 3,500 years later... The Orthodox Jewish family still does a Passover and they have these four cups of wine. So week one, we talked to Passover. Week two, we talked about cup number one, sanctification, which is salvation. It doesn't mean when you drink cup number one, you're not ready to join anything, lead anything, pray for anything, serve anything. You've just been relocated from the mud pit of the world and you've been set apart, sanctified, just set apart for a higher purpose for God. Week number three, we drank cup number two. It was the it was the cup of it was the cup of deliverance and amen. It's not it's not an event, it's a process, and God wow, did God move last weekend. This weekend we're going with cup number three, the cup of redemption. By the way, it's the only cup that says how it's going to happen. It's the only one of the four promises that says. And then next weekend we'll deal with cup number four, the cup of praise. I think they call it that because after four cups of wine, you'll be singing. I don't know, could be. I'm not just I don't know. Just you know, just saying. And, but each of these promises that God gave out of Exodus, the four I wills, are, are in there. Now, next weekend, we'll deal with the cup number four, the cup of praise you don't want to miss. It's going to be some, some absolute cool stuff. And it's Mother's Day. I'm helping you, Bubba. It's Mother's Day. Get your mother something. If God has still graced you, she's still alive, bring her, man, you know. We'll turn the music down for whatever. Bring your mom. And we'll, have a, we'll have a great weekend next weekend. Now, as, as I think of these four cups and what God is doing, you know what breaks my heart? Is that so many people reject Christianity without ever knowing what it is. And the world does not represent us well or what Christianity is all about, does it? But as a matter of fact, it's horrible how they represent us and what we are and what we believe and what we think. It's It's terrible. But, but, but millions and millions every day reject Jesus, and they're, they're, they don't even realize what they are rejecting. They don't know what it is. They have the blinders of the enemy on them. The Scripture says that the devil is blind the eyes of the unbelieving, that they will not see and respond. Now, so many people have drank cup number one, sanctification, and they move into cup number two, and this is the problem, which is deliverance, which is working on your issues, the issues of the flesh, the issues of the soul we talked about last week. And they never get out of cup two. They spend the rest of their life working on their stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And we've got enough stuff to work on for a long time. I mean, let's be real. But, but people stay stuck, they never move on. Again, 87% of Christians that are surveyed do not have never drank of cup number three. It's the cup of restoration. Restoration. And, and, and so, restoration really means to fulfill your original intent why God made you, why God designed you, and you will be fulfilled when you do what God has called you to do. And as your pastor, it is my highest honor, unbelievable to help you in this journey to sort of shepherd us, be a tour guide, as it were, of walking through, of understanding what God has done, what God has done in us, the promises of God, and to drink all four and literally live in the cup of praise and the fulfillment that God has. That makes sense? So that's my commitment to you. Exodus 6 6, which is the third cup. Uh, I will bring you out from the birds of the Egyptians. Next slide. And I will deliver you from their bondage right here. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Now, to redeem, if you look up what Webster says about redeem, because Bible words sometimes are hard for us, so the word redeem means this, to buy you back or to repurchase. Well, why would it be repurchased? Well, it would be repurchased because God made us, but we had sin in our heart and we were separated from God. Even though we were property of God, we were separated from God. And so Jesus came and rebought us. Does that make sense? Yeah. See, he, he owned us, but we gave our lives over to the enemy, and, and he came back and rebought us. I heard a story years ago, I've never forgotten. <clears throat> a little boy and his father spent a year building this beautiful sailboat. And the dad warned him, and you put it in the water, be careful. If it's windy, the stream breaks, it'll be gone. And it was a masterpiece. And the boy was by the lake, and a gust of wind came, and boom, the stream broke. And that little boy just cried as that that sailboat just sailed across the lake. Months later, he's in a toy store, and up on the top shelf, he sees his sailboat. And he tells the owner, hey, hey, that's my boat. I want it back. And the owner says, I'm sorry, son, that's my boat. And the little boy says, but I made that boat. That is my boat. And the owner says, I'm sorry, son. That's my boat. And if you want that, it'll be $100. Well, it might as well have been a million. The little boy left crying and went home and told his dad. And he began to mow yards and rake leaves. And he worked for months and months and months. And finally, he walked back into that shop. He said, I want my boat back. And here's your 100 $100. I made it, and I lost it, and I'm buying it back, and it'll be mine forever. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. That is good news. That is good news. He repurchased us. To redeem is to, to buy back or to repurchase. Another definition of the word redeem is this, to change for the better or to reform. And when we drink that third cup, when we, when we experience that redemption, man, we get better. So, so why do we need to be, why, how do we get better? How do we need to be reformed? What's the problem? The problem is this. If we were to just get raw and real, most of us have set our sights for life way too low. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, many of us say, well, if I could just have no more bad happen. I mean, I'm not thinking about revival. I'm not thinking about the glory of God. I'm not thinking about being used. I just don't want any more bad. I just, I'm just sort of in survival mode. And believers who don't understand or believe or have faith to, to believe the, the promises of God, live their life in that mode, and they, they miss the abundant life that Jesus bought for us on the cross. And they're clueless on the screen. Does that make sense? They're, they're clueless. Let me give you a third definition of the word redeem. To repair or to restore. Now I've I've showed you this picture before. I want to show it to you again. It's a picture of a 1956 Corvette. Can y'all see that? That's rough, isn't it? When I bought this car, it had a it had a Chevy truck engine in it. Uh, The paint was about half an inch thick. The upholstery was rotted in it. Uh, Everything was wrong about it. And as you could see, man, it was rough. And then me and some great friends, my two boys, man, we started working on it. We started doing the third definition. We started to restore it back to its original intent. Next slide. And that's what it looked like when we were done with it. See, it. see, let me tell you, it was a work of art. And it was, see, it went back to why it was made. It went back to its original intent. Does that make sense? And see, when we drink cup number one and now we're set aside for God, then what God wants to do is then he wants to deliver us and then the redemption process is taking us back to the original intent, why he made us. See, that Corvette that finished product finished product is how God sees you after cup number one. You say, but I got stuff. I got issues. I know, but it doesn't matter. When you drink cup number one and the blood of Jesus covers you, you are now set apart for God and he sees you differently. The only problem is we don't see ourselves very differently, do we? But God sees us differently. So why is it then, if God has all these promises, why is it that we don't drink cup number three? Well, the answer is actually found in how he delivers us. Remember, I said it's the only promise of the four that says how he's going to do it. How with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. So why does God have to use an outstretched arm? You, if you're listening, Sam, Amen. because we are so much lower than than how God sees us. God sees us in such a different light than how we see ourselves. Israel had been slaves for almost four hundred years. They were, they were sanctified. They were taken out of the mud pit, but they were still slaves inside. Does that make sense? They still saw themselves as slaves. They didn't believe the promises of God. I mean, we finished that in our Bible reading plan a couple months ago, and man, they just never believed, never believed, never never believed. And so why is it that so few of us see ourselves As God sees us, and why do so few people drink cup number three, and why do we not believe the promises? And I'm going to give you some answers. If you're you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. A huge inferiority complex. Would you all agree with that? Insecurity is rampant in in the ministry, and we have this big inferiority complex. But let me tell you what God knows. See, God knows what God put in you. God knows the favor and the gifts and the talents and the ability. And God knows what he, and so God sees you differently than you see yourself because you don't see all that stuff that God put in you. I got to work on this thinking about this. There's more untapped potential in this church than, listen, it's unbelievable what God could do if we all drank cup number three and number four and believed God. Now, there'll be 7,000 people this weekend. Take out 1,000 bed babies, that's 6,000. What if six thousand of us gave God two hours this week in service? That'd be twelve thousand hours this week in just at Faith and Promise Church, man. Come on, wow. I mean, what if, what if, man? What if we just all sold out and believed that God could use us and we we drink that that cup number three and man, we're reformed and we're man, we're made. We're back to our original intent, man. The untapped potential is unbelievable. Can I tell you something? Hell fears. The untapped potential in this church. And because hell fears, come on, somebody help me out this weekend. And because hell fears our potential, hell unleashes its full resolve and resources to keep you from your potential. That's why people don't drink cup number three. That's why they don't believe the promises. That's why they don't step up and step in the game. That's why they don't, you know, get involved in serving and making their life why? Because we spend all of our time focusing on what other people think about us, than what God knows about us. Man, come on, that's good right there. God knows. Don't you to think about think it for a minute? If we could, man, we could just, man. If, you know, full disclosure. How much stuff has, have we done to get people to accept us? How many beautiful young girls that go to Faith Promise Church? Are giving their body away to some chump. I'm about to say it. You know the word. Some peckerhead. <laughs> listen, man, hey, as a pastor, I got a little dad in me. I got a grandkid now. I'm, I'm old enough to be some dads. And I see these beautiful young girls going out with these guys, not worth shooting. And giving their, listen, giving their bodies away for a few minutes of feeling accepted when you are already accepted in the beloved, accepted by God. Come on, come on. See, even after we drink cup number one, We still have flesh issues and soul issues, right? We still have baggage. We still got all this rejection, this inferiority. And what Satan wants to do, Satan's plan for your life is to keep you so stuck in your past that you will never have the gifts and the resources, the potential that God put in you ever come out of you. And what we do is we keep crashing the car because we're driving the car focused on the rearview mirror. Stuck in our past. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, man, every now and then we get, but we're, man, we're right here. We run off the road, we hit people, we run over people, we crash. You know what I'm talking about? Why? Because we can't get our big bug eyes out of the rearview mirror thinking about the crap in the past when God says, I've got a future and a hope and a victory for you. Come on. John three sixteen and 17, for God so loved you. That he gave his only begotten son, that that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Look at this, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to what? Judge or to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, but we feel condemned, don't we? It's the devil that's condemning. And so because we feel condemned and inferior, God says, I've got to reach out there and pull you up. That our story is guy goes into a pet store. You know, I don't tell many jokes, but this is too good not to tell you. He goes into a pet store and there's a parrot in a cage, and the parrot says, Hey, you, you, and the guy says, Me? He said, Yeah, come here. So the guy walks over the parrot cage and said, What? He said, You the ugliest, stupidest guy I've ever seen in my life. Well, the guy goes, the owner said, Hey, buddy. Your parrot insulted me. No. Goes over there, smacks him on the beak, pulls a couple of feathers out. So don't be, be insulting my customers. About a month later, the guy shows up again. He's walking around. The parrot and says, hey, hey, you. Guy said, you talking to me? He said, yeah, come here. He walks over there. He said, what? He said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, we've all got... <laughs> Isn't that good? That's good right there. I will tell you. You'll be telling people to work that joke this week. <laughs> See, the deal is we've all got a parrot on our shoulder saying, you know, you ain't worth shooting. You could never do that. You, you, you can't, you, God can't use you. Don't even try. Hey, and that parrot just keeps saying it, doesn't it? And that parrot's whispering lies. And that's the lies of Lucifer because it's the devil's, it's the devil's desire to destroy your potential. So he keeps whispering in your ears. That makes sense. Let me tell you what God says about you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his what? Created in Christ Jesus for what? Which God prepared beforehand and we should walk. We are his workmanship, or many of the other verses translate that word, masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. Cup number one. Created in Christ Jesus for all the things that God wants. To. You are his masterpiece. Now, you may not see it, and nobody in your life may, not, may, may see it either. Nobody saw Joseph's potential when he had dreams he would be a great leader when he was at home, did they? So maybe nobody sees it. And so what does God do? With an outstretched arm, he reaches out to you and lifts you up. And when you're drinking cup number three, getting you back to your original intent, quit listening to the lies of Lucifer. Does that make sense? Quit listening to all that garbage. Because when you drank cup number one, he already spiritually pulled you out of the mud pit, making bricks for the world. He's already moved you to another location. He's already seated you with Christ Jesus and blessed you with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. So he already sees you differently. We need to, this is why you got to know the word, church. Because when you're out there and that parrot's whispering in your ears and your boss or somebody in your life is, is, is saying something about you and, man, and they're saying you'll never make it and you're this, you're that, you've got to have the word of God rolling in your brain to counter the voice of the world. Amen? The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And so so he said, number one, with this outstretched arm. And then number two, with mighty acts of judgment. So who is God going to judge as we drink cup number three, this cup of redemption to be restored, to be renewed, to be re... How are we supposed... What's the deal? Who's he judge? He's judging hell. He's judging your enemy. Not you. Your sins were judged at the cross. And they're covered. Covered. That's why grace is so amazing. So if it's so good, Pastor, why does 87% of people never get to cut two? I'm gonna tell you why. We got that inferiority complex going on, don't we? Believing all those lies. And we've got a demonic diversion keeping us from all that God wants. The enemy's always there to derail you. When you get on God's tracks, the enemy's always there to derail the train. Isn't he? That's why you got to be planted in the house so when you're, if your train does derail, there are people to help get you right back on the tracks. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2.18. For, for we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan what? He what? The word hinder means this in the Greek. It's in copta, and it means this, to impede one's progress by putting something in the way. And so the devil will always impede your progress towards your potential by always putting something in the way, some lie, something, something that'll keep you. And you say, "Well, you know, Pastor, it's too. You know, it's just too late for me. I took the wrong road. I got derailed. And man, you don't know how far. You don't know. You don't know how far I've gone out of the. I, you just don't understand. Listen, man, no, you don't understand the word, Romans 8, 28, and we what? We hope, we think, we guess, and we know that God causes some things, part of things. Do you really believe all things? God causes all things in your life to work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. In the same book of Romans chapter 11 verse 29 says this, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. King James says, without repentance, which means God never changes his mind about you. Come on. He said, but Pastor, I took a wrong road. Listen, I don't care the distance of your diversion. God hasn't changed his mind. Now, if I wanted to go to, if I want to go to Jacksonville, Florida, if I head toward Memphis, can I get there? It's going to take longer. Isn't it? I'm going to get to Memphis and head southeast. I can still get there. It's better to go down 75. But, so, but see, we all get derailed, don't we? We've all taken a wrong turn. We've all got off the tracks. You know what? Get back on the tracks because God hasn't changed his mind about his plan, his purpose, his gifts, his calling, his anointing, and what God wants to do in your life. So, okay, Pastor, so how do I drink cup number three? Well, I'm going to give you a word that you've heard for years, and many of you still don't know, and that is this. You have to know your spiritual gifts or gifts. You have to know your spiritual gift because, see, as you, as you learn your spiritual gift, that you, will, you, will, you will learn the pathway to the purpose that God has in you. Now, hell fills your gifts, Hell fears your gifts. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6, since we have these gifts, differ according to the what? The karos, which is where we actually get our word uh, charismatic, which really means grace gifts. We changed what that word means today, but the word really means grace gifts. There's grace given to us, each of us, to exercise them according to prophecy, then, and it goes on. Then man, all these gifts God, that God gives us, and God gives us the grace to do these things. That means well he will divinely enable you. And when you find your gift and you use your gift, man, you're talking about a whole nother level of joy. And a lot of people say, Pastor, how could you get up there, 7,000 people, man, you're talking to a camera, it's going to blunt, it's going all around the world, how could you do that? You know what, it's really easy for me, because I have a grace gift to do this. But if you put me in preschool ministry, somebody is going to die. Because I didn't like my kids, I certainly don't like y'alls, you know what I'm talking about? See, I don't, I don't have a grace to deal with your gifts. I have a grace to deal with mine. They lived. So obviously there was grace involved. See, I've, so, so we all have this grace gift. God's given us a certain amount of grace, and it's divinely enabled us to do some things. And, man, I don't, man, I'm so grateful for the volunteers that serve in preschool, that serve in kids' ministry, that serve in our student ministry. Man, thank God for them. Thank God for them. Man, that's again. You got to get your kids to camp. the to to the conference and the camp. We moved the we moved the student camp here because people said they couldn't go. It cost too much. We changed the format this year. We got to have a thousand students. It's going to be the most unbelievable week in the history of our church. Amen. So, now this weekend, all over Faith Promise at all of our locations, and then all weekend homes. All across East Tennessee, faith-promised faith people are unleashing their gifts and using them for God. And, man, I am so grateful for them. It's unbelievable. They're just unleashing them. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly what? Man, you need to desire to learn your spiritual gift. I love cup number three. I love dealing with this. I love shepherding people. I love helping people to discover because when they discover it, it's like they're plugged in a new power source and they, what they're doing for God. They love to do for God. People, that are, people are taking care of your preschoolers right now at every campus and enjoying it. Do you not think there's a God in heaven? <laughs> I mean, man, there are people that will be here wishing out with almost a thousand middle schoolers and high schoolers, and they'll be serving middle schoolers, middle schoolers. Man, to get in middle school, you have to remove your brain. <laughs> man, we have people that are grace-given. They use those gifts, and, man, they pour into those students. And we're growing them up. Thank God, listen, they don't want you to go through some of the crap you and I went through. They're going to be saved. And, sa- and, man, they're calling in early age, and they don't want you to do the stupid stuff some of us did. So, again, it's an awesome cup, but still 87% never drink of it. So let me tell you what we're, what, the things that we do to try to help every single, every core person and every attender Faith Promise. So I'm going to give you three things that we try to do to help you. Number one, we want to help you discover your gift. Now, every second weekend at every campus, every second Sunday, we have what we call a next steps experience. And in that next step experience, we give you a spiritual gifts test. And we have it there for you. And so if you've not been in Next Steps, take your communication card, fill it out while while I'm doing this message and put it in the offering boxes or take it to our Next Step area and next weekend be at our Next Steps. You'll find out what it takes to be a part of the core and man, you want to be planted in the house and you, and we'll give you a spiritual gifts test. If you've already been through it and you didn't take it you lost it, we have one online. Go to faithpromise.org and you can find a spiritual gifts test on there. We want to help you. We want to work through that with you. We want to help you discover your gift. 87% every time they survey Christians, 87% said, I don't know what my gift is. And I always love it when somebody says, well, Pastor, what's your gift? <laughs> well, I thought I knew. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I... <laughs> see, when, when you begin to understand your gift and you begin to realize how God made you, see, God had a plan for you and then he made you. But you hear that? God had a plan for you, and then he made you. We think we we just happened the fastest swimmer? Yeah, come on. When your kid asks you on the way home, what's the fastest swimmer? (laughs) Next week, they'll be in our children's ministry, won't they? So come on. I still have flesh issues. I'm still working on them. Come on, none of us are perfect yet. And so when you, when you begin, see, God made you, and God had a plan, and he made you. God has stuff for you to do. Psalms 139, verse 13 to 14. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. I love that. Ephesians 1.11 says this. So also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined God's God's knowledge before we were born according to his purpose who works all things after the counts of his will. Man, God knew before you were born what he was going to do with you. This part I love. I'm just a tour guide. Guiding people to their destiny. Guiding people to discover their gifts. Helping people connect with how God wired them up. Man, then we begin to enjoy life. Are you all with me? And so, number one, we want to help you discover your gift. If you hadn't been to Next Steps Experience, sign up, get there. Number two is is to develop your gift. We find it. We have it. You say, well, if it's a gift, why do I have to develop it? If I was to put my first sermon up there that I preached, you would say, dear God, why did you not quit? You should have killed yourself when that was over. (laughs) It took me eight minutes. I preached it three full times. I mean, I, you know, I got up there, woo. I was done, I looked at the clock, 7.03. I it's three minutes, okay, what am I going to do, preach it again? So I started right back at the beginning, preached the whole sermon again. It was 7.05. I preached it again, it was 7.08. Eight minutes, and one of the deacons had told me, say all you got to say, when you ain't got anything else to say, sit down. And I said, hey, you know, Joe told me when I didn't have anything so I'm done. And nobody thought oh, he's gonna pass, he's gonna be he's gonna pastor a great church one day. They thought, bless his heart. He's he he's an idiot. So you gotta you gotta develop, so you gotta work. You gotta develop your gift. It's the job of the church. It's why we have it's why you gotta be one of the one of the million reasons why you gotta be planted in the house so that you'll learn. Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host and captives, and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts. Go to ch- verse 11 and 12, chapter 4. Th- this is uh, chapter, uh, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. He said, in verse 11, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. That's the full-time vocational people. To do the work, to preach the sermons, to go to the hospital. No, to equip the saints to do the work of the service. Do the work of the service, the building up of the body of Christ. It's not my job to do ministry. It's my job to train you to do ministry. And the only way I can help you to do ministry is to help you discover your gift. Amen? Amen. And then develop your gift to help you. So get in next steps. Get in the core. Man, man get in there. Get planted. Do you know the happiest people in the church this weekend are the 2,000 people that serve? That's the happiest people. You know, when people are driving out cussing, the people that work in the parking lot, they never cuss back. They're happy. Ushers, they're happy. People serving your kids, they're happy. People running cameras, they're happy. People leading worship, they're happy. People that are ushering and greeting, they're happy. People that are serving on all six of our campuses, they're all happy. It's the people that don't do anything that are not happy. So you come, you don't do anything, so all you do is criticize. See, if you're rowing the boat, you don't have time to complain. But 60-something percent of us are not rowing. We're just sitting in the middle saying, could y'all hurry? <laughs> I mean, crap, could somebody give me a drink? Well, What are y'all doing around here? Does that make sense? And First Peter 4.10 says this, As each one has received a special gift, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Number three, let me give you the third thing, and that is you've got to deploy your gift. Discover it, develop it, and deploy it. That's the deal. You'll never experience the abundant life until you're a part of something bigger and larger than your life making a difference. And I so honor, listen, we so honor those who serve every week in opening their homes up and leading small groups and teaching and caring for kids and out shooting videos and rehearsing and people who work all week so they'll have quality worship experience on the weekend. I honor the 37% of the, of the attendants of our church who serve God by serving his church. Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> There's some praise in the house. 37% now serves. It's the largest it's ever been. Let me tell you, you guys that are serving, Hebrews 6.10, those of you that are serving every week, for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name. You guys that are serving, God knows. He's writing in his book. And there will be rewards in heaven. Because, see, the ultimate sacrifice in worship is not jumping up and down. The ultimate sacrifice of worship is loving and caring for other people in the name of Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So our purpose in serving God is by serving other people. Does that make sense? And so at all of our campuses, there's still some people who haven't drank of cup number one on, we're going to pray and give you an opportunity to open your heart up to Jesus. And there are many of us that are dealing with cup number two. We'll always be dealing with deliverance until we stand face-to-face with our resurrected Lord. But then this weekend, cup three, the cup of redemption, we're going to help you learn to find your place and your purpose in the body, get planted, and use what God has put in you. Amen? So right now, if you're ready to open your heart up to Jesus, you're ready to be born again, you're ready to be forgiven of your sins, We're going to pray out loud with you this prayer. Nobody prays alone. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, and I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I know I'm not perfect, but thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for dying, raising from the grave, and now by faith. I'll drink cup one, and I will live for you. Now, God, there are so many people, 63%, who are really not involved in a ministry at Faith Promise Church. And, God, it is your expressed, revealed will of God that we drink deeply of cup number three, that we understand our ultimate purpose, that we discover and develop and deploy our gift in the house of God and even outside it. And so, God, I pray. I pray that our next steps will be the biggest we've ever had. I pray that people begin to really dig in, do some experimentation, start serving in some areas, and they find out how you wired them, your ultimate purpose, because your design of them reveals their destiny. So, God, we pray that you'll move, that there'll be a serving, worshiping church. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Somebody give him some praise, man. (laughs) Woo! Wow. Now, again... Take the GLS stuff with you. Sign up early. There's an early bird special. You can see here uh, uh, on the cards how you can do that. If you're not involved in a group, you want to find one. If you go straight out the center door to the next steps, or you can take your communication card, fill it out, drop in the offering box again. If you haven't been in next steps, it's part of the core process. So I want to challenge it. It's next weekend. It's time to service. If you say, well, if I go there, I won't, I'll, I'll miss church. That's all right. Go, go, go there, miss church, and just get it online. Amen? It's just one time, so so man, go to next steps. I know it's cut forward. It's going to, going to be there's a reveal next week. It's going to be off the chain, but you can get it. So man, sign up next steps. Sign your kids up for camp. Has it been good to be in the house of God, man? We love you, every campus, internet. You can go to the chat room or you can click right there on the communication card. You can serve on our internet, man. We have group leaders and. And chat room leaders and people on, the, on our internet campus, and man, we love to even there, you guys can serve. All right, so you're great to be in the house of God. Hey, next weekend, Mother's Day, we'll see you guys. Be blessed.